section twenty one of a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one by george lillicrate chapter three part three the ormulum another metrical work of considerable extent that known as the ormulum from orm or orman which appears to have been the name of the writer has been usually assigned to the same or nearly the same age with the brood of laomon it exists only in a single manuscript which there is some reason for believing to be the author's autograph now preserved in the bodleian library among the books bequeathed by the great scholar francis junius who appears to have purchased it at the hague in sixteen fifty nine at the sale of the books of his deceased friend janus eulitius or Vilitius van verliet also an eminent philologist and book collector it is a folio volume consisting of ninety parchment leaves besides twenty-nine others inserted upon which the poetry is written in double columns in a stiff but distinct hand and without division into verses so that the work had always been assumed to be in prose till its metrical character was pointed out by terwitt in his edition of chaucer's canterbury tales seventeen seventy five accordingly no mention is made of it by wharton the first volume of whose history was published in seventeen seventy four but it had previously been referred to by hicks and others and it has attracted a large share of the attention of all recent investigators of the history of the language it has now been printed in full under the title of the ormulum now first edited from the original manuscript in the bodleian with notes and a glossary by robert meadows white doctor of divinity late fellow of st mary magdalen maudlin college and formerly professor of anglo-saxon in the university of oxford two volumes octavo oxford at the university press eighteen fifty two the ormulum is described by dr white as being a series of homilies in an imperfect state composed in metre without alliteration and except in very few cases also without rhyme the subject of the homilies being supplied by those portions of the new testament which were read in the daily service of the church the plan of the writer is we are further told first to give a paraphrastic version of the gospel of the day adapting the matter to the rules of his verse with such verbal additions as were required for that purpose he then adds an exposition of the subject in its doctrinal and practical bearings in the treatment of which he borrows copiously from the writings of st augustine and eofric and occasionally from those of beta some idea it is added may be formed of the extent of ormond's labours when we consider that out of the entire series of homilies provided for nearly the whole of the yearly service nothing is left beyond the text of the thirty-second we have still nearly 
ten thousand long lines of the work or nearly twenty thousand as dr white prints them with the fifteen syllables divided into two sections the one of eight the other of seven syllables the latter which terminates in an unaccented syllable being prosodically equivalent to one of six so that the whole is simply our still common alternation of the eight-syllabled and the six-syllabled line only without either rhyme or even alliteration which makes it as pure a species of blank verse though a different species as that which is now in use the list of the texts or subjects of the homilies as preserved in the manuscript extends to two hundred and forty-two and it appears to be imperfect ormond plainly claims to have completed his long self-imposed task here is the beginning of the dedication to his brother walter which stands at the head of the work new brother walter brother men now brother walter brother mine after the flesh is kinda after the flesh is kind or nature and brother men e christendom and brother mine in christendom or christ's kingdom ther fullet and ther trotha through baptism and through truth and brother men e goddess hoose and brother mine in god's house yet o the thrida wiza yet on in the third wise thir thought wit hoffen taken ba though that we too have taken both on regelbach to folgen one rule book to follow under kaunges had and lift under canonics canons rank and life swa sum sant austin setter so as st austin set or ruled ich hoffe dan swa sum thu bad i have done so as thou bade and forthed te thin willa and performed thee thine will wish ich hoffe wend in till english i have wended turned into english godspellus halga laura gospels holy lore after that little wit tot may after that little wit that me min dritten haveth lened my lord hath lent through thoughtest tot it mita well thou thoughtest that it might well till mickle fama turnen to mickle much profit turn if english folk for luther of christ if english folk for love of christ it walde yerna learnen it would earnestly learn and folgen it and fillen it and follow it and fulfil it with thought with word with deed with thought with word with deed and forty gerndest to thought it and because thou desirest that i this work the shoulder worken this work thee should work 
and ik it hafa for fed te and i it have performed thee ach all thur christus helpa but all through christ's help and una birth batha fanken christ and us too it becomes both to thank christ that it is brought till enda that it is brought to end ik hafa samnad o this bach i have collected on or in this book the god spellus nay allah the gospels nigh all that sindin o the mesabach that are on or in the mass book in all the year at messa in all the year at mass and i after the god spell stomp and i after the gospel stands that tat the gospel meneth that that the gospel meaneth that man birth spellen to the folk that one ought to declare to the folk of their sola neda of or for their soul or soul's need and yet ter tekken mara ino and yet there in addition more enough thou shalt teran finden thou shalt thereon or therein find of that tot christus holga fed of that that christ's holy people verth trowen well and folgen behove to believe well and follow ich hafe set her o this bach i have set here on or in this book among god's spellus wordus among the gospel's words all through me self in monig word all through myself many a word the rima swa to fillin the rhyme so to fill ach thou shalt finden that min word but thou shalt find that my word i war thar it is eke head everywhere there or where it is eked or added may helpen the that redden it may help them that read it to sen and tunderstanden to see and to understand all thus te betra who fame birth all this the better how then it behoveth the gospel understanden the gospel to understand one remarkable feature in this english is evidently something very peculiar in the spelling and the same system is observed throughout the work it is found on a slight examination to consist in the duplication of the consonant whenever it follows a vowel having any other than the sound which is now for the most part indicated by the annexation of a silent e to the single consonant or what may be called the name sound being that by which the vowel is commonly named or spoken of in our modern english thus pain would by ormond be written pan but pan pan mean men but men men pine pin but pin pin own on but on on tune ton but ton ton this 
as mr guest has pointed out is after all only a rigorous carrying out of a principle which has always been applied to a certain extent in english orthography as in tally or tall very witty folly dull as compared with tail beer white lone mule the effect however in ormond's work is on a hasty inspection to make his english seem much more rude and antique than it really is the entry of the manuscript in the catalogue of vliet's library as quoted by dr white describes it as an old swedish or gothic book other early notices speak of it as semi-saxon or half danish or possibly old scottish even hicks appears to have regarded it as belonging to the first age after the conquest ormond attaches the highest importance to his peculiar system of orthography nevertheless in quoting what he says upon the subject in the subsequent passage of his dedication we will take the liberty for the sake of giving a clear and just idea of his language to a reader of the present day to strip it of a disguise which so greatly exaggerates its apparent antiquity and waste willen shall this book and whoso shall wish this book eft other sitha written afterwards and other time to write him bidda ik that heat right right him bid i that he it right right swa soon this book him teacheth so as this book him teacheth all thwart out after that it is all athwart or throughout after that or what it is apo this first abysna upon this first example with all sulk rhyme alls here is set with all such rhyme as here is set with all say fella wordus with all so many words and tot he looka well that he and that he look well that he and book stuff writer twius a letter write twice i wear there it apo this book wherever there or where it upon this book is written o that wiza is written on or in that wise looka he well that heat right a uh, sway look he well that he it right so for he nay may not ellis for he may not else on english written right te word or on or in english right write the word that wita he well to soothe that wot or no he well to or for sooth or truth thus presented ormond's english certainly seems to differ much less from that of the present day than layamon's his vocabulary may have as little in it of any foreign admixture but it appears to contain many fewer words than have now become obsolete and both his grammar and his construction have much more of a modern character and air dr white has not thought it necessary to subjoin any such translation to his author as sir frederick madden rightly judged was indispensable in the case of layamon he confesses also that while the handwriting the ink and the material of the manuscript would seem to assign it to the earlier part of the thirteenth century the grammatical forms and structure of the language rather indicate a later period we meet he says with neglect of gender and number 
a frequent use of prepositions substituted for the casal endings of nouns and the rejection of the prefix ge in all those parts of speech which receive it in pure anglo-saxon there is also for the most part a simplicity in grammatical forms and in the construction of sentences of the amount of any french or latin element that there may be in the vocabulary we do not find that he says anything but it is evidently very small probably not greater than we have found it to be in Leomond's work the brood of Leomond was undoubtedly written in the southwest of england the dialect of the ormulum is thought to betray a scandinavian character and to point to a northeastern or at least an eastern county as the part of the kingdom in which and for which it was written dr latham assigns it to northumbria mr guest is inclined to fix on some county north of thames and south of lincoln and the late mr garnett dr white tells us expressed his opinion in a letter to him that the ormulum was written a hundred miles or upwards to the south of durham and considered peterborough not an unlikely locality on the whole it may be assumed that while we have a dialect founded on that of the saxons specially so-called in Leomon, we have a specially anglian form of the national language in the ormulum and perhaps that distinction will be enough without supposing any considerable difference of date to explain the linguistic differences between the two there is good reason for believing that the anglian part of the country shook off the shackles of the old inflectional system sooner than the saxon and that our modern comparatively uninflected and analytic english was at least in its earlier stage more the product of anglian than of purely saxon influences and is to be held as having grown up rather in the northern and northeastern parts of the country than in the southern or southwestern the ancren reel there is also to be mentioned along with the brood of Leomond and the ormulum a work of considerable extent in prose which has been assigned to the same interesting period in the history of the language the ancren reel that is the anchorites or rather anchoresses rule being a treatise on the duties of the monastic life written evidently by an ecclesiastic and probably one in a position of eminence and authority for the direction of three ladies to whom it is addressed and who with their domestic servants or lay sisters appear to have formed the entire community of a religious house situated at tarent otherwise called tarant canes caneston or kingston in dorsetshire this work too has now been printed having been edited for the camden society in eighteen fifty three by the rev james morton bachelor of divinity it is preserved in four manuscripts three of them in the cottonian collection the other belonging to corpus christi college cambridge and there is also in the library of magdalen college oxford a latin text of the greater part of it the entire work extends to eight parts or books which in the printed edition cover two hundred and fifteen quarto pages mr morton who has appended to an apparently careful representation of the ancient text both a glossary and a version in the language of the present day has clearly shown in opposition to the commonly received opinion that the work was originally written in english and that the latin in so far as it goes is only a translation this indeed might have been inferred as most probable in such a case on the mere ground that we have here a clergyman however learned drawing up a manual of practical religious instruction for readers of the other sex even without the special proofs which mr morton has brought forward the conclusion to which he states himself to have come after carefully examining and comparing the text which he prints with the oxford manuscript is that the latin is 
a translation in many parts abridged and in some enlarged made it a comparatively recent period when the language in which the whole had been originally written was becoming obsolete in many instances in fact the latin translator has misunderstood his original mr morton has also thrown great doubts upon the common belief that the authorship of the work is to be ascribed to a certain simon de gandavo or simon de gant who died bishop of salisbury in thirteen fifteen this belief rests solely on the authority of an anonymous note prefixed to the latin version of the work preserved in magdalen college oxford and mr morton conceives that simon is of much too late a date it might have been thought that the fact of the work having been written in english would of itself be conclusive against his claim but the bishop of salisbury it seems was born in london or westminster it was only his father who was a native of flanders on the whole mr morton is inclined to substitute in place of bishop simon a richard poor who was successively bishop of chichester of salisbury and of durham and who was a native of tarent where also it seems he died in twelve thirty seven of this prelate matthew paris speaks in very high terms of commendation two other mistakes in the old accounts are also disposed of that the three recluses to whom the work is addressed belong to the monastic order of st james and that they were the sisters of the writer he merely directs them if any ignorant person should ask them of what order they were to say that they were of the order of st james who in his canonical epistle has declared that pure religion consists in visiting and relieving the widow and the orphan and in keeping ourselves unspotted from the world and in addressing them as his dear sisters he only as mr morton explains uses the form of speech commonly adopted in convents where nuns are usually spoken of as sisters or mothers and monks as brothers or fathers upon what is the most important question relating to the work regarded as a documentary monument belonging to the history of the language the learned editor has scarcely succeeded in throwing so much light of the age of the manuscripts or the character of the handwriting not a word is said it does not even appear whether any one of the copies can be supposed to be of the antiquity assumed for the work upon either the new or the old theory of its authorship the question is left to rest entirely upon the language which it is remarked is evidently that of the first quarter of the thirteenth century not greatly differing from that of layamon which has been clearly shown by sir f madden to have been written not later than twelve o five the english of the ancren rule is indeed rude enough for the highest antiquity that can be demanded for it the spelling mr morton observes whether from carelessness or want of system is of an uncommon and unsubtle character and may be pronounced barbarous and uncouth the language he considers to be what is commonly called semi-saxon or anglo-saxon somewhat changed and in the first of the various stages through which it had to pass before it arrived at the copiousness and elegance of the present english this statement is perhaps not quite consistent with the doctrine which afterwards seems to be laid down that no particular effect was produced upon the language of england by the norman conquest that it only after that revolution continued to go on in the same course of gradual disintegration or simplification which it had been running for some centuries suffering nothing more of change than it would have done if the normans had never invaded the country if that were so how can the stage in which it is supposed to have been found some short time after the conquest be with propriety spoken of as the first of a series but is it possible to believe that so complete a social revolution as the conquest 
affecting everything else in the country should have left the language which is always to so great an extent the expression or reflection of everything else untouched the gradual change that may have been proceeding for some time before is not inconsistent with or any disproof of the more sudden and violent change which may have taken place at this crisis precipitating the ruin of the already decaying original system of the language just as the shaking of a tree by a blast of wind or in any other way would bring down at once a shower of leaves or blossoms which although beginning to wither or lose their hold might still have hung on for a considerable time longer if the tree had not been thus rudely assailed in this work according to mr morton the inflections which originally marked the oblique cases of substantive nouns and also the distinctions of gender are for the most part discarded yet he adds as these changes are partial and incomplete enough of the more ancient characteristics of the language is left to justify the inference that the innovations are recent not only is es of the genitive case retained but we very often meet with the dative and the accusative in e and the accusative in en as then the we also meet occasionally with the genitive plural in re from the saxon ra and ne and ne from ena the cases and genders of adjectives are generally disused but not always the moods and tenses of verbs are little altered from the older forms and in many words they are not changed at all the infinitive which in pure saxon ends invariably in an is changed into en in only three infinitives warny to warn ewertha to be and windwe to winnow has the final n dropped off nor does the language exhibit any of the other scandinavian peculiarities which mark what hicks calls the dano-saxon or what is known to modern philology as the anglian dialect from this and from its general resemblance to the older text of layamon which appears to have been produced on the banks of the severn mr morton thinks it most probable that the english we have in the rule is that of the west of england in the thirteenth century in one particular however it differs remarkably from layamon's english in that as we have seen sir f madden found in above thirty-two thousand verses of the older text only about fifty words of french derivation and only about ninety in all in the fifty-seven thousand of both texts whereas in the present work the infusion of norman words is described as large but this as mr morton suggests is owing probably to the peculiar subjects treated of in it which are theological and moral in speaking of which terms derived from the latin would readily occur to the mind of a learned ecclesiastic much conversant with that language and with the works on similar subjects written in it a few sentences from the eighth or last part which treats of domestic matters will afford a sufficient specimen of this curious work ye nay schoolen etten lashes nay san buten in a macho sickness uh, other whoso is uer fevel heated potage blithleke and wonius who to lotto grunch nevertheless liu sustren our meta and our grunch howard ithunt me lesser than ichwolder nay usta ye nena dei to bread and to water but ye haben liwa sum ankra maketh her board mid her jis withouten that is to matcha furiandishipa you are of 
alla orders the on is hit unkindelukest and mestian unqua order that is all dead to the world me how with he heard off the sicken that the other men specken mid quicker men how that he o etten mid quicker men ne uant ik newer yete ne machia ye nana gisningus ne ne tilla ye to the yete non uncutha harlaus thou there ne'er non other vool of hit uta hora methlisa moth hit walda other wola latin eon bleca fratis that is literally ye not shall eat flesh nor lard but in much sickness or whoso is ever feeble may eat pottage blithely and accustom yourselves to little drink nevertheless dear sisters your meat and your drink have seemed to me less than i would have it fast ye not no day to bread and to water but ye have leave some anchoresses make their board or meals with their friends without that is too much friendship for of all orders then is it most unnatural and most against anchorous order that is all dead to the world one has heard off say that dead men speak with quick living men but that they eat with quick men not found i never yet make not ye no banquetings nor allure ye not to the gate no strange vagabonds though there were not none other evil of it but their measureless mouth or talk it would or might other while sometimes hinder heavenly thought and again ye mine lua sustren ni schoolen haben no best boot cot one ancra that howith ita funcheth bet uswith asa martha was then ancra nay none wise my hail beyond marie mid griff fulnessa of heart vorthion matio fenchen of the cus fadra and of hord mon hur olenen vena highward warian juan me pontire and yeldon thee the hermes what christ this is lodlick thing juan me maketh in tune of ancraite thou yif inimat nida haben tu loca vet io non man ne ili ne ne hermi ne vet higher thought ne bio nout thereon e questioned ancra ne out nout to haben no thing vet draw outward higher heart none sheffer ne dry ye ancra that is cheapled he who cheapeth higher soul the chapman of hell nay wider ye now in our house of other man's things nay out nay close nay now nay underu ye the churcha estimens nay vena collars brute ye strengtheneth it mock ye other muchel eye for of swetcha witung is ecumen muchel bull off sithen within an hour wonus nay letty your nena mons lapen if much or niad mid alla market brecken our house 
baholor that if thur is ye broken lok that ye haben therein mid our one woman of clean lu dais and and nitis uartha that no man nay sith who nay ye sith nena man well my do of our clothes beyond how white beyond how black but that how bon yorn and warm and well he wrought uels well he taught and habeth a's money as a who to neodeth to bed and eke to rug next flesh ne shall mon wherein no linen cloth but ye hid bio of herd and of grape jardin stamen hav house wool and hose well beyond beyond button ye school and ligan in on heater and de gird ne bear ye non iron nay hear nor espel fells no nay beat on their midda nor mid scourge live lethard ne eleded ne mid holy and ne mid brerus but be lodge her sylph without shrift's league ne nimma and ends to veal disciplines our scone beyond great and warm in a summer ye habitly otir gone and sit in barret and hosen with it aramps and liga in a hum as woe licketh ring ne broach nabahi no goodle imen brit niglawen me no such thing that on we day for to haben ye ne schoolen send in letters ne underin letters ne writen booten league ye schoolen be an edaden for sithen the year unto lighten o'er heard and also halfen eleten blood and offer ye need is and hazo my beyond there withouten it hid by well etholian literally ye my dear sister shall not have no beast but a cat only an anchoress that hath cattle seems a better housewife as martha was than anchoress nor nowise may she be merry with peacefulness of heart for then must she think of the cow's fodder and of the herdsman's hire flatter the hayward cattle-keeper defend herself when they pound her put her cattle in the pound and pay moreover the harms damages know with christ this is an ugly thing when they make moan complaint in town of anchoress's cattle though if any must needs have a cow look that she no man not annoy nor not harm no that her thought not be not thereon fastened an anchoress not ought not to have nothing that draweth outward her heart no chaffering not drive ye no buying and selling carry ye on an anchoress that is a chaffer she chaffereth her soul with the chapman of hell nor take ye not charge in your house of other men's things nor cattle nor clothes nor not receive ye not under your care the church vestments nor the chalice but if unless strength it make force compel it or much fear for of such charge taking is come much evil oftentimes within your walls let ye not no man sleep if much need strong necessity withal however make cause to use your house the while that so long as it ever is used look that ye have therein with you a woman of clean life days and nights because that no man neither seeth you nor ye see no man well may ye do of with your clothes be they white be they black but see that they be plain and warm and well made skins well tawed and have as many as it needeth you to bed and eke to back next the flesh shall not one wear no linen cloth but if it be of hard 
and of great coarse canvas a stamen shirt of woolen and linen may have whoso will and whoso will may be without ye shall lie in a garment and girt nor bear carry ye not iron nor hair haircloth nor hedgehog skins nor beat not yourselves therewith nor with scourge leather nor leaded nor with holly nor with briars not blood not herself yourselves without shrifts shrivers leave nor take it not at once too many disciplines flagellations let your shoes be large and warm in summer ye have leave for to go and sit barefoot and to wear hose without vamps whoso liketh may lie in them ring nor brooch do not ye have nor girdle ornamented nor gloves nor no such thing that is it not behoveth you for to have ye shall not send letters nor receive letters nor write without leave ye shall be cropped four times in the year for to lighten your head and as often let blood and oftener if need is and whoso may be there without may dispense with this i it may well endure end of section twenty one